Welcome to the I Have ADHD podcast, where it's all about education, encouragement, and coaching for adults with ADHD. I'm your host, Kristen Carter, and I have ADHD. Let's chat about the frustrations, humor, and challenges of adulting, relationships, working, and achieving with this neurodevelopmental disorder. I'll help you understand your unique brain, unlock your potential, and move from point A to point B. Hey, what's up? This is Kristen Carter, and you are listening to the I Have ADHD podcast episode number 44. I am pretty sure that last week on the podcast, I said the wrong episode number, so please forgive me. I apologize from the bottom of my heart, but I'm not going to go back and fix it because I think that my mistakes are very important because what they show you is that B-minus work can change the world which is one of my mottos that I learned from my coach, Brooke Castillo, B minus work can change the world. And so when you see me making mistakes and still showing up over and over, you can remember that you can show up imperfectly in your life as well and still be a badass boss, okay? Because seriously, it is totally, totally possible. Before we get started today, I want to take a minute and shout out one of my clients in Focused. I've had the privilege of coaching her twice now on a live coaching call. Remember, right now, it's just January for me. I know you're listening to this in February, but it is still January. We've only had three weeks in the Focus group, which is not that long, right? It's not that much time to have made progress, but I created this channel in our Slack community called Share Your Wins because I think it's really helpful full and really healthy for those of us with ADHD to see that um, we can make improvements and the people around us are making improvements too. So I think sharing our wins is really, really important. And Anna wrote this in that channel. I finished the first week of the workbook and actually didn't get down on myself for being behind for once. I know that I'm going at the right pace for me, which is super helpful. I also started scheduling small tasks and have been doing them during the free time rather than scrolling Instagram and thinking about how much I hate Instagram. I've been watching a couple of the coaching calls I missed while making breakfast and getting ready in the morning too. Yay, Anna. That's so fun. I love hearing all of your wins and I really am excited to share with you, my podcast community, inspiring wins from the focused group because like I said, hearing that other people with ADHD can make the small changes and become the versions of themselves that get stuff done and follow through and make a schedule and do the hard things, that is helpful. That helps us to see if someone else can do it, then I can do it too. And that just totally jazzes me up. So today on the podcast, I'm really looking forward to introducing you to my friend and colleague, Jessica Heimsoth. She is a fellow ADHD coach who is also obsessed with thoughts 
and how our thoughts create our feelings and our feelings drive our actions and our actions, of course, give us our results. I thought it would be really fun for us to have a conversation about how we've incorporated that into our own lives and into our coaching practices. And really, honestly, just to have you guys hear it from someone else, that it's not just me saying these things. Um, It's really a pleasure to have her on the podcast today. I do want to say that the audio from the recording is not perfect. I'm not sure what happened. We checked the Wi-Fi, we changed her mic, we we did the very, very best that we could, but for some reason, there are times in which the audio kind of cuts out, and um, I wish I could change it, but I totally can't. I don't know what's going on with it. I really, really don't. So if it gets really annoying to you and you're like, I cannot deal with this, I totally understand. I totally have been there before when podcasts have uh, audio that is distracting to me. I have a really hard time focusing. So if that needs to be you, if you need to shut it off, that's totally fine. But there are some amazing gems in this podcast, which is why I'm going ahead and publishing it anyway, because um, I think a lot of the things that we discuss are so relevant and really, really helpful. And by the way... This also goes back to my point that B minus work can change the world. The audio is not perfect. However, the nuggets that Jessica gives in this podcast are helpful and can change your life. So I hope that you will be able to bear with us and just enjoy what we have to offer you today. Remember, thoughts create our feelings. Feelings drive our actions. Actions give us our results, and all adults with ADHD can learn to manage their thoughts and create a different life for themselves, can lean into their potential and become the version of themselves that they always wanted to be. And that is why Jessica and I both do what we do. So without any more jibber-jabber from me, here's my conversation with Jessica Heimsoth. So Jessica, hi, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being here. Oh, Kristen, I'm so excited to talk to you today. Well, uh, we met on Instagram and I felt an immediate connection with you because you are all about thoughts and that made me so happy. So, so happy. (laughs) Yeah, it was uh, really important to me that that be something that was immediately evident. So my My whole brand name is Every Thought Captive, um, which has roots in everything that I teach. So about ADHD, about thoughts, and about um, Christianity. I'm a Christian coach. I love it. I'm so glad that you're here. So tell us your ADHD story. Who are you? Um, When were you diagnosed? Kind of like, how did you come about that diagnosis? And what has it looked like since then? Uh, So I was one of those ADHD kids that got totally missed because I was excellent at school. I did really well, got good grades um, in what I now see was a very structured environment where people were people were telling me what to do, when to do it, giving me lots of praise for when I did well. Um, so I had a constant stream of dopamine. I was also involved in sports, you know, constantly working out um, and increasing my focus that way. After college was when everything kind of collapsed on me. Um, no one was telling me what to do, when to do it, what classes to take. Um, so I did not write the books that I intended to write. I wanted to be a novelist. 
Um, my husband and I clashed. He's about as opposite of ADHD as possible. He's very, very do the next thing mm. um, because it needs to be done, not because you feel like it. And um, <laughs> so we butted heads. Um, I just wasn't producing anything. So there was a stretch of maybe five years that I was just struggling like I was trying to run uphill through mud. Um, and I found out about ADHD because I was going to a therapist basically saying, help me, <laughs> I'm dying, help me. And she thought um, that I might have it. So I started researching and I started finding checklists that I was like, oh, I'll be darned if I don't have every single one of these. Um, so I diagnosed myself around, I think, 27, did all the research that I possibly could, really kind of hyper-focused on ADHD. Um, and then um, I think it was after I had already decided to become a coach, that I was um, so I do have the diagnosis. I decided it was important to, um, to see whether I was clinically ADHD. And it's like, yes, ding, ding, you are. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's kind of how I got here. One of the main reasons why I wanted to have you on today was because, um, I feel kind of like a loner in this ADHD space when it comes to talking about how important our thoughts are. And, um, when you and I connected on Instagram and I've just been following you and listening to your teaching, uh, which if you're not following Jessica on Instagram, you for sure should be. I believe it's at Every Thought Captivated Coaching. Every Thought Captive Coaching. Every Thought Captive Coaching. I uh, highly recommend. You do a lot of teaching uh, and Instagram videos, and uh, I've always appreciated those so much. And um, I just felt like, hey, I have a buddy in this space of like <laughs> – really focusing on managing our thoughts. Mm -hmm. I think so many people expect an ADHD coach to work in the area of give me the strategies, give me the action, give me the to-do list, give me the perfect app that's going to change my life. Give yeah. me the perfect morning routine that's going to change my life. When was it that you started to get very um, focused, no pun intended, on uh, thoughts and how important they are in kind of reaching goals and becoming the person that you feel like you're meant to become. What's so interesting about the way that you even asked that question is those, you're talking about basically action steps. Like we expect an ADHD coach to give us action steps and they're so exciting. Like I love looking through the app store if there's a productivity app that will solve my life. But the, the reason that I got, or when I found out about this thought work that we both teach and, and use in our lives, um, I was actually running up against the wall because I had learned about all these strategies and they were helping, but they really, what they did was took the pressure off, like kind of lessened the pain, but they weren't moving me forward very quickly. I was still feeling like, okay, now I wasn't dying, <laughs> but I was still kind of staying where I was kind of wandering around in circles. And, um, so the strategies themselves, like I wasn't using all of them. I would hear about a strategy. I'd use it for a little bit and then it would kind of fall off. And I was frustrated with the fact that I couldn't do that. So where I, where I think a lot of us end up is 
strategies help, and but then we need something else to help us actually utilize them. Um, so when I found this work, um, I had stumbled upon a podcast by uh, our esteemed uh, friend, colleague, um, mentor, Brooke Castillo, <laughs> called the Life Coach School podcast. And so this was right about, I think I was in coach training, but feeling like there was something missing. Like I'm I almost like I was a fraud or a failure. Like I'm going to teach people how to use these strategies that I'm not really using very well myself. Um, so that's when I found her podcast and was introduced to the idea that everything I did came from a feeling that I had. And every feeling I had was actually mine to control through my thoughts. Um, it, it completely changed the landscape of everything that I knew mm. at the time. Totally mind blowing and a little frustrating that we're not taught this from the day that we are born. Why don't we all know this? Why don't we all know that the only reason we ever take action is because of the way that we feel? And if we're not taking action, it's like you, you can sometimes beat yourself up enough to get yourself to take action for a little while, but the consistent day after day, week after week, year after year action is only implemented with thoughts, feelings, connection. Yeah. And ironically, a lack of beating yourself up. Like that that short term self-flagellation is basically how we get into a circle, a spiral of repeating behaviors. They don't make us it doesn't last long term but it does last really well short term so a lot of us like i grew up beating myself up yeah and then watching my myself progress for a little bit falling back off and then doing it again yeah um so i'm very familiar with that um but i think as far as not being taught you know like i found brooke but she is not the only one who teaches this this is a universal truth in my opinion Mm -hmm. um personally i believe it was handed down to us by god but no matter what anyone believes so many people teach something very similar to this out Mm. there. Um, So the idea that why wasn't our parents' generation, for example, um, privy to this information and why didn't they just teach it to us alongside with our, you know, tying our shoes? I don't know. But the good news is we know it now. Yes. (laughs) We're shouting it out. So true. And my kids are now using it against each other. (laughs) Just so you know, like, well, I didn't actually hurt your feelings. You had a thought about what I said and you hurt your own feelings. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) we need to sit down and talk about it again because a nine-year-old's interpretation of it, of course, is not um, very mature, but at least they are learning that they're responsible for their own stuff. And that I think is so, so amazing. (laughs) I would love to, um, know how the introduction of the thought work has changed. Like, so is your productivity better now that you've incorporated, uh, some thought work into your practice? Um, do you find yourself following through at a better rate? Like, tell me about how that has kind of changed things for you. Yeah. So I would, I would actually tell you that every part of my life is better. And one of the reasons for that is that when we, when we start working with the thoughts, feelings, actions scenario, you can actually have a negative emotion 
and still do whatever it is that you wanted to do before you had that feeling. So this is something that we don't believe we can do as ADHDers, but this work has taught me I can feel something and it's totally fine. And I'll still go ahead and do whatever it is that I wanted or planned to do. So because of that, I can feel angry at my husband and still do the dishes without slamming things around, or I can feel bored and still listen to someone talk, or I can feel kind of aimless and still follow the schedule that I wrote down. Mm -hmm. So being able to feel things and still continue working without beating myself is, uh, it has touched every aspect of my life. I think a lot of people think when we start talking about thoughts, feelings, actions, and really working on uh, choosing new thoughts and thinking on purpose, I think especially at first, a lot of my clients are like, so am I just supposed to feel like a magical unicorn like all the time? Because that what you're really saying. And I think you explained it so beautifully where it's like, no, you you accept the full spectrum of human emotion. You just don't let it paralyze you. You mm -hmm. feel the feeling and you name the feeling and you feel it all the way through and you let it go through your body. And then you're just like, okay, I'm angry. Like, and yeah. that's part of being human. Part of being human is being angry and it's fine. I can yeah. still do the thing that I was going to do instead of letting it distract you all day and ruminating on it all day and talking to everybody that you see about how you're feeling angry, you know, all day long. I think there's such a huge difference. Yeah. And just, I mean, anger is a good one because so many of us react so quickly to anger, but we very rarely react in a way that we wanted to. Mm. So if you're able to feel anger and not not react to it. You can actually ask yourself, for instance, what am I angry about? What would actually solve this problem? Um, am I protecting? Like you can, can get to the root of what's going on and solve the problem instead of lashing out, which is the usual reaction to being angry, at least for me. <laughs> I don't relate to that at all because <laughs> I am a sweet, sweet person who never yells. So yeah, I'll just have to take your word for it. Uh, I think it's so ironic that I even am doing this feeling work because I know that I've been, I've said so many times that I'm not someone who feels things. And I've, what I've realized through thought work and the model and just doing this as a practice is I for sure have been resisting my emotions for my entire life. And that has led me to so much buffering, so much avoidance, so much procrastination because I wasn't willing to feel the thing. Yeah. And I think that's so common among uh, those of us with ADHD. Yeah. Um, or the, not really the opposite, but one of the symptoms that you read about for ADHD is um, extra strong emotions. Hmm. So it's almost like we're being told your emotions are so strong, you cannot fight them, hmm. which I would not recommend fighting them. But the, the implication is also you can't handle them. Like you can't just feel this and, and let it be there and let it go away. Um, it's bigger than other people's. I don't think anybody could possibly ever know that. So I, I hate it when people say we have bigger emotions. But I do think that what happens with us is we react faster and um, therefore we never know that we can feel it 
until it's gone. Hmm. It just, it's, we have a pattern of being so reactionary and this belief that this is going to, like, I can't handle this. This is going to kill me. I must do something. Hmm. So to challenge that belief is very, very powerful and, um, and empowering also. Hmm. That was so interesting. I agree with you that how would anybody know that we feel things stronger than another human? All they know is that we react very quickly and very, what they would, what they would call uh, irrationally. Like mm. that was, that was too big of a reaction for the situation. So they, then the assumption is our emotions must be bigger. Um, and I don't think it's relevant. I think what is relevant is we have an emotion and we can totally feel it. Wow. You just blew my mind. Thank you for that. I really, <laughs> really liked that. That was very helpful to me because I do often have the thought that my, my emotion of frustration or anger is more intense mm -hmm. than someone else's. And that's probably not a helpful thought now that I'm processing it. You know, it's probably not helpful for me to think that I'm a victim of my frustration and my anger, right? It would probably be a lot more empowering to think um, I'm feeling angry right now mm -hmm. and like actually just feel it and let it be there with me rather than oh, I'm feeling angry and it's the most anger that people feel and nobody feels more anger than me. You know, that that's very victim mentality. I love it when people point out my victimhood. Because <laughs> I, seriously, it's so triggering, but I never, and I don't think anybody really does identify like consciously as a victim. Right. But I think that, um, without even realizing it, I, can often fall into that victim mode. And this is a perfect example of like, yes, frustration feels different for me than it does for anybody else. And yeah. I'm, I'm a victim to how big my emotions are rather than everyone feels this. I need to work on processing it. Yeah. I think we do have habits that make them worse for mm -hmm. us, but I agree with you that it is completely unhelpful to compare how big our emotion is to how big anybody else's is because we can't know we still have all the power that we need. Mm, I love that. Thank you for that. That was really, really helpful to me. Do you think that ADHDers are capable of thought management of really recognizing and understanding and processing our own thoughts? Is that something, is that something that ADHDers are capable of in your opinion? hundred percent, hundred percent capable of doing this. Everything that you just described. I think what, where we usually try to start as ADHDers, especially if we love self-help like I do is to start in the moment and try to be feeling big emotions and managing our thoughts while, while we're, you know, in the middle of an angry temper tantrum, trying to figure out what our thoughts are. And, um, and then thinking, you know what, I just couldn't figure out what they were. There were too many. I was too distracted. And where we miss is creating a purposeful practice to work on um, accessing our thoughts and feelings daily if possible. Mm -hmm. um, so I've, I've heard about people um, trying to think positive thoughts 
in the moment when they're experiencing strong emotions and just really not having a lot of success with it. And that's not how you build, like you don't learn basketball by jumping into a game. You so learn by working on the fundamentals, right? You shoot a ton of free throws, you do some layups, you dribble, you, you know, you go through a lot of practice first before you attack an actual defender. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I think we both teach is doing this work when you have the mental space to examine your thoughts, right? Instead of expecting yourself to just learn that your thoughts create your actions and then to fix it in the moment. Yeah. So but I, I believe that every, every single ADHD or out there can do this, can start to slow down and, um, and learn about what thoughts are creating what actions and how they can actually change that, how they can challenge those beliefs mm-hmm. and stop believing the things that are giving them such unpleasant results. So good. So why do you think that a lot of us resist the slowing down and the daily practice? I love this question. And, and I think it's, oh, this is so, so good. So what we have done is we've grown up as ADHDers with experiences that have made it very easy to believe lies basically Mm. like we can't manage time um i can't think of a whole lot of uh, like like um we don't know where to put things so many so many things just based on the way that our brains have um given us experiences um And one of the things that we have learned deeply is that what we need to do when we feel something strongly is to react, to go, and I've I've hammered this in this podcast, but we need to go do something. Like Mm -hmm. the minute we have an emotion, we have to go do. Um, So to tell our brains now that, oh no, actually what I want to do when I feel something strongly is to sit and do what looks like nothing. It's incredibly uncomfortable. It, mm-hmm. it almost hurts. And if we don't fully understand why, like what that is actually doing, it can trigger our sense of pointlessness. Mm. Um, and the minute we've decided something is pointless, bets are off. Like there's yeah. nothing is happening. So, so two things I think, and one of them is this idea that we, we want to feel like we're doing something mm. and this doesn't feel like doing And the other thing is we may not fully understand. So um, the ways that I like to counteract that is to, is to learn as much as you possibly can about this work, ideally with someone who understands it already, ideally with someone who teaches it, you can do self-help with this work that we teach. I think Mm -hmm. we both probably did that. Yeah. Um, But working with someone who can point out where, where we're interpreting it incorrectly yeah, has changed my life. So, mm-hmm. um, so understanding and then believing, so it comes back to a thought, believing that this is the actual way forward. Like what I'm doing right now, when I sit down to think over and over again about a thought pattern that I have and why it's not true or what I would rather think instead, that's actually how I move forward. I'm taking more action and not in any other moment where I'm running around helter skelter, trying to fix my life with the next app. Yes. So good. That I think is so huge, like really choosing the belief that like, okay, I've tried all of the actions, like I've done all the things and I haven't been able 
to evolve to the next version of myself. So like maybe I could just give this thought thing a try. I think that would be a really interesting thing for people to play with is like, maybe, like maybe, what if this was it? What if I went all in with my thoughts for like a month? And And that's what I would, I would say is to, we teach how to believe something ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And what usually helps me go a hundred percent, like I believe this is to give myself a time limit. Mm -hmm. So for example, this year, I've decided to quit pretty much all of my coping mechanisms, overeating, drinking alcohol, Mm. shopping, what else? Coffee, coffee is my self-medication. I'm quitting all of them. And I've decided to do this for a year because I'm going to take belief that my life will be better when I've stopped needing things, Mm. but it doesn't feel like it right now. It feels totally wrong. But for a year, I'm just going to believe that this, I, I will reach a point where this is better. So for anyone who is struggling to get on board with this thought work that we teach, that's what I would recommend is giving yourself the big a chunk of time as you can reasonably believe mm-hmm. and saying, I'm going to go hundred percent on this as if it were going to change my life mm. for, for six months. I'm going to believe this will change my life and go all in at it because yeah what we, what we love to do is dabble. Yes, we do. I'm going to see, I'm going to give this a shot. And then that, you know, that's a thought that creates a predictable pattern for us. Usually it is working kind of hard and then dropping off. Yeah. So that belief needs to be bigger and stronger and for a set amount of time, but that's what works the best for me. That's so perfect because, um, we dabble in so many different things. And then the <laughs> predictable pattern is like, well, I knew that wouldn't work. Well, yeah. I knew that wouldn't I tried it. It didn't work for me. Yep. So, so good. I love it. Besides treatment, you know, actual like medical or uh, natural treatment, what do you feel like is the most effective thing that someone with ADHD can do? do like an actionable step to make progress. So we've been talking about thoughts. Can you give us an actionable step, even if it is related to thoughts? Like what, how can someone take action from what we're saying here today? I think um, the best steps are always going to start with your thoughts. But what you made me think of when you asked that question was, um, an actionable step would be to take a goal in your life and commit to actually seeing it all the way through and focus on that one goal and breaking it down and figuring out what helped me succeed and trying again and maybe even doing that for like a year because what will happen when you pursue a goal and decide this is going to be my one thing that I'm just going to accomplish is that you will you will figure out what skills you need. So that might be you start, maybe it's weight loss. That's what I go to a lot of the time as an example. And you're really struggling to do that and you realize you need to be more consistent. Well, to be more consistent, maybe we need a better planning system. Okay, so that becomes your goal. Like we, we figure out the small steps. Maybe what you find out is you really do need to hire a coach because you know all of the strategies that you should be doing. 
and and you're not. But the only way that you can get down into those little nitty gritty details of what what you really what could help you with any goal is that you pursue one as hard as you can until you reach it. Talk to me about until you reach it. Yeah. So how everybody's got a set point, how long you pursue something and then kind of fall off. I, for a lot of my clients, it's about a month for some of us about two. Yeah. Um, and then what will happen is we will lose momentum. We will uh, fail for a few days and let that just make us decide that we're just going to quit. But if you say, what was it that made this so easy to quit? Or what was it that made me eat the cookies? Like what was the situation? Mm-hmm. Um, so that evaluation process is missing for most of us. We mm-hmm. don't go back and tweak something and try again. And again, even in that, even in all of this, I'm talking about these strategies that we need to be using, right? To be totally. able to go. But the whole point is you decide on a goal and you decide, I'm just going to keep going until I've reached it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the, there are many terms for that. Brooke Castillo likes to use the word massive action. Um, so to just to really decide this is my thing mm-hmm. and to focus on that one, because instead of trying to fix every area of your life, if you focus on one and go all in on it, you'll build the skills that you need to build to work on the rest of your life. It will affect you in other ways. So, so that, that would be, that's probably, that's what's coming up today. <laughs> I love that. Um, and I would just add that like when you pick the one thing and you say, I'm going all in on this, failure, like it is the kind of thing. And I think that this is what you're describing is like failure is not an option. Quitting is not an option. Like what would happen if you literally did not have the option to quit? Like you just had to keep going until you got the result that you say that you want. So and really important because of everything we've talked about that this have to keep going is not from a place of being mm. yourself, right? <laughs> it is from a place of, oh, i I had a a momentary failure. Mm -hmm. I dropped back from where I wanted to be and being open to feeling whatever comes up and then deciding to move forward. Curiosity is usually a great place to come from, but just even just acceptance of, okay, I failed. Now what is so much, it's so different than I have to reach this goal. I have to reach this goal. Like that's not what we're talking about here. Not at all. And, and uh, if you don't reach the goal by the time limit that you set, it's absolutely no, no problem. It's Mm -hmm. like, okay, where did I go? It's all about like evaluation. I think what we do is we set the time limit. We don't reach the goal. And then it's like, well, I knew I wasn't going to be able to do it. I don't know why I set goals anyway. Like (laughs) why, why do I even bother? I'm just going to stop instead of like, okay, I got this far. Now what do I need to do? to get myself to the next place, to, to that goal. Um, so many, I know I'm thinking of one client in particular who sets like a money goal every year. And then if, if that goal isn't accomplished, it's like, 
you just feel so terrible Mm -hmm. instead of coming from that place of curiosity of like, okay, what did I do? That was great. What did I do that like probably wasn't helpful and what should I do differently as I move forward? Yeah. I have a a thought about that is that so many of us, when we set a goal, we attach meaning to it. If we do not get it, it means that we can't achieve that. We ourselves are broken and wrong and that we can't get what we want. And that is not the meaning of any achievement or failure. That's just not there. That's a thought we do not have to think. And if you look at your life as a a stretch of ribbon where nothing has to happen at all, you just get to keep learning. Like that is the way that you want to go at your goals. If you don't hit it by a deadline, which you put in place to help you, right, to give you some uh, like a an anchor and you don't reach it by that deadline, it's time for an evaluation. And what do I take from this to move forward? It does not mean that you're not someone who achieves your goals. So good. That's so absolutely true because we attach meaning to so many things, but especially goals. Am I worthy? I don't know. Let's see. Let's see if I accomplish this goal and then I'll let you know if I'm worthy. You know, am I lovable? I'm not sure. Maybe when the scale says 160 instead of 180, then I'll be lovable. It's like, or whatever, whatever number we have in our own head, it's like, no, you are innately worthy. You are inherently lovable. That has nothing to do with the goal. The goal is like this, like what kind of experience do you want in the world? For me, I want to be a multiple six-figure earner. That's the kind of experience that I want. And so that's my goal. But I don't make it mean like, am I good at my job? Let's find out. If I make X amount of money, then I am. If I don't make X amount of money, then I'm not. It's like, no, like I'm good at my job because I have the skills and I want to figure out how to like be a multiple six-figure earner. I want to become the person that Mm -hmm. does that. But that takes becoming someone totally different. Yeah. That's hard. (laughs) That's so hard, right? It's like, but we think it's like, oh, well, if I just follow these actions, like because so-and-so lost weight doing X, Y, Z, or so-and-so made multiple six figures doing X, Y, Z, or so-and-so got in shape doing X, Y, Z. So obviously there's a formula and I just need to follow the formula. It's like, no, you have to become the person who's willing to try and fail and try and fail and try and fail and never, ever, ever stop until you reach that goal. And that actually, it like, if you're able to grasp and uh, desire to be the person who tries and fails and tries and fails, if you can make that something you're pushing towards every failure, all it means is that all you have to do to be the person you want to be is just to keep going. Yeah. So even, even just setting your eyes on the person you want to be and deciding, I want to be a person who doesn't give up even when failure occurs. Mm. Like every time failure happens, you get to be that person mm. and you get to be her more and more or him more and more. Mm-hmm. Um, so really focusing on, yeah, how you want to be in the world rather than necessarily what you want to achieve. Achievement can be kind of part of what this person you want to be does. Mm -hmm. But the more you focus on that, and again, we're all just, we're basically in our brains right now. We're talking about our thoughts and how to think about what we do Mm -hmm. in order to make what we do more sustainable, more 
and even more enjoyable, I would say. Way more enjoyable from my perspective, in my experience, so much more enjoyable. Like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen today. Wonder how it's going to look today instead of like, well, I better do this or else I like suck as a human being. Mm -hmm. Mm, I love it. So where can people find you? Who, Who do you work with? Um, and if someone is looking for a Christian ADHD coach, where can they find you? They can, I, so Christians with ADHD is my, uh, basically my niche. I work with people who don't fit under those categories, Okay. but most of the time that's who I work with. It's, um, what I understand the most deeply. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find me on Instagram at every thought coach, every thought captive coaching, um, you can also email me at jessica at everythoughtcaptivecoach.com. The ing got left off on that one. Um, <laughs> those are my two haunts. Those are really where I'm most active. Okay, great. I will link those in the show notes. Do you work with men and women or just women exclusively? I work with both. Perfect. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I'm so glad to finally connect with you. It's been so fun. I've been thinking of having you on forever. So I'm so glad. Now you guys um, have heard from more than just me about this thought work. (laughs) I'm just going to try to like get it from all the different angles because I really do think this is the secret to the universe for us. Yeah, I would agree with that 100%. And it's been such a pleasure talking with you. I'm sure we could go on for days. What's funny about what Jessica just said there is that after I stopped recording, we continued to chat for about an hour. And so we kind of did chat for days and it was really fun. Um, Really enjoyed having her on. I hope it was helpful to you. I hope that you were able to glean so much from that podcast. And listen, if you are someone who would like some extra support and coaching, please go to my website, ihaveadhd.com slash focus to check out my monthly coaching membership. We are having a blast. I will see you there. Bye.